welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful day out here, and we're glad you're joining us here um, on the patio. And those of us joining online, or whatever, wherever you are, or whatever you're doing, and what time you're watching us, we're uh, in the book of Galatians. This is going to be um, uh, my last my last summer on Galatians. We have a couple guest preachers the next couple weeks, and then we'll probably come back to Galatians and. 2021. Doesn't 2021 sound good? Because 2020 has been <laughs> rough. Let's just talk about 2021, right? And uh, let that reside in our hearts. Uh, but as we dig into uh, Galatians today, I want to encourage you, if you brought your physical Bible, have it. If you have an app, just go. You can just go online and look up Galatians 3. We're going to bleed into Galatians 4 if you're at home. Same thing, get your Bible out or your app, and let's uh, dig into God's Word today. Now, here's what we all pray, um, our elders and our staff. Uh, We are praying simply that you connect with God today. We don't know how you come today. We don't know if you're a follower of Christ yet, or you've gone to church your whole life, and, and you're raring to go, or maybe you're coming back to the faith in some way, but our simple prayer is that you would connect with the Lord. And here's the good news, is that it, that's up to the Lord, and you get to participate in that. And so as you come today and like you're hungry for God, that's a good place to be. You come today and you're worried about something, but you start getting a glimpse that maybe it's possible that God can interact with my worry. That's a good place to be. Uh, a hopeful place, a believing place. So let me pray for us as we go into this message today. Lord Jesus, uh, as we gather today at home, gather today physically in this place, uh, Lord, we know where two or three are gathered in your name. There you, Jesus, are amongst us. We don't know exactly what that means because you're always with us, but you promise when we gather like this, something special happens. And so, Lord, we come with expectant hearts, expectant faith. Lord, not because we are strong, but because you are strong. And so, Lord, we want to lean into your strength. We want to lean into your grace that you might show us the truth about who you are and who we are in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here with us. Teach us something today. May our lives be different because of you in us. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, for Christians today, we, become, we can become so overly saturated with religious language that when we hear the word gospel, which is what Galatians is all about, we kind of tune out. Because the gospel, we know, that's what, that what is God used to save me, but I don't need that anymore. But the reality is we need the gospel to not only save us, we still need the gospel as believers to change us. The gospel is always relevant. So what Paul is saying in Galatians is that the gospel is at risk of losing its intended meaning, that you might have amnesia and forget the gospel, Christians. You might forget who God is and who you are in him. See, Paul wants to bring the Galatians, these young believers who were not Jews, but were brought into this Jewish faith called Christianity. By the way, it was a Jewish faith, right? A Jewish savior, Jewish disciples, a Jewish church. And we were grafted in as Gentiles. Any Gentiles out there? Any non-Jews out there? We were grafted in to this beautiful 
history, sons and daughters of Abraham. And Paul is saying, you Galatians, you foolish Galatians, don't throw everything away. There was a simple and profound truth that was found in the gospel that you can find everything you need in Jesus' perfections, not in our accomplishments. Everything you need is found in the perfect man, God, Jesus, not in you, not your effort, not your religiosity, not even your emotionalism, not the amount of money you give, not, not how much you donate to a hospital. None of that in the eyes of God matters in terms of your standing with him. What matters is that by grace, through faith, you put your faith in Christ alone, the one that was sent. And so it's our salvation doesn't rest in our reputation or abilities, but in Christ's resume, resume of perfect goodness. That's your standing in the Lord. And so Paul is pleading with the Galatians, and I believe through the Holy Spirit 2,000 years later, pleading through this text by the power of the Spirit to you today, pleading to stop trying to make yourselves complete by anything else outside of Christ. Don't try to make yourself complete through money or make yourself com complete through comfort or complete through education or complete through degrees or complete by being a good person. None of us are good enough to impress God. So Paul's pleading, don't think any of those things are going to get you saved or keep you saved. Paul says we can rest because we are God's children. Take a look at Galatians 3, verse 26. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now, the, the NIV talks about children of God because Paul knows God's blessing isn't just for males. Amen? Okay? God's blessing isn't just for men and boys. It's a promise to men and women. But literally in the Greek language that Paul was writing in, it's sons is the word. And that's a very important word for us to keep in mind. It is the sons of God you all are by grace through faith in Christ. So we look at verse 28 where Paul says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There's no male and female for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Do we need to hear this more than ever? This trajectory of the kingdom of God, when we see Jesus face to face, would be this beautiful ensemble of men and women, girls and boys of all different colors, from all different nations. We're all one in Christ. And so let's lean into that even more now, especially in divided time. So what Paul is doing here is breaking down gender, socioeconomic, and ethnic walls. In Christ, all are equal. All have dignity. All the old barriers that were gone that says that you're good enough, and you're good enough, and you're not good enough. All the barriers come down in Christ. Nothing else. No government. No education. Nothing else except Christ is what breaks down the barriers. So the last thing that Paul was doing by using the word sons, calling you sons, the last thing he was doing was being chauvinistic. The last thing he was doing was being misogynistic. What he's doing is actually being radically inclusive to marginalized ethnic groups. He's being radically inclusive to men and, I'm sorry, to women and children in this Greco-Roman environment that said that you are not only second-class citizens, that you are relegated to the lowest echelons of society. That the only way for you to be meaningful is to be a man in this society. And so what he is doing, Paul is radically including those who feel marginalized in any way, shape, or form in Christ. 
All are equal. And then Paul says something incredible in verse 29 about the Galatians and about you and me. If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. First important word, we're sons. The next important word is heirs. Heirs according to the promise. Uh, if you take a look at the first few verses of Galatians 4, Paul goes on to great lengths to teach us that until a child heir reaches maturity, gets older, they're treated much like a slave in the very household that they live in, even though they will ultimately inherit that entire household. That as long as an heir is a child, they're treated almost like a servant, like a slave. And so what Paul is saying, he's making the comparison that under the law, under the Mosaic law, under the Jewish practices that they all used to live under, it was almost like that they were heirs acting like slaves. They were a slave to the law. It was a, it was a condemning kind of life. They had to be really, really religious. And Paul is trying to remind them that in Christ, you can open your eyes and see that you're not only sons of Abraham, but you're heirs to the king of kings. You are heirs to the Lord of Lords. You are heirs and adopted into God's family. Take a look at Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Sons, heirs, Adoption, the third important word, okay? Now, American friend of mine adopted two beautiful black sisters from Haiti some years ago from an orphanage. Their adoption meant something radical happened in their life because it afforded them a whole new life of possibilities far beyond the cycle of poverty that exists and continues to exist in that nation, this adoption of these two beautiful black sisters meant that the history of slavery in Haiti, the history of corruption, the history of natural disasters that has left Haiti, the poorest nation in the northern hemisphere, through adoption, they now had a new opportunity for a different kind of life. It's beautiful. The adoption for these two Haitian girls, now his daughters, along with the three other biological kids, meant this family was providing a whole new kind of life. And so I want you to see what Paul is talking about with this adoption is even a million times better than that. <laughs> Way more important than that. He's talking about a radical impact of being in God's forever family. So Paul is trying to do is convince us, I think, through the Spirit today that we're all Spiritual orphans in need of a secure family. I don't care what kind of family you come from. I don't care about your uh, marital status, your background. We are all orphans in this world in need of a true family that will always last. Every single one of us. You see, when we repented and put our faith in Christ, immediately, Paul is saying, we're adopted into God's family, bestowed with all the rights and advantages and blessings of being identified as God's children, heirs, sons, adopted. We were bestowed with all the goodness of a royal family. 
So in Christ, we're a rightful heir whose eternal destiny is secure. We're a rightful heir whose broken past is forgiven. We're a rightful heir whose present reality is blessed. I know some of you sitting here saying, my present reality ain't blessed, Pastor Tim. I'm not sure what life you're living. I'm telling you, in Christ, your present reality is blessed because God has not abandoned you in whatever present reality it is. That broken relationship, the, the challenges in your job, the challenges of not having a job, the challenges of, of, of being fearful, things are always changing every day. A new rule, a new this, a new that. When will life get back to normal? Friends, life ain't getting back to normal. You need a king in your life who's going to tell you everything is going to be okay with me, no matter what you go through. Paul's pleading to the Galatians to remember who they are. So I want to pause and ask you, do you know who you are? Do you remember who you are? Have you forgotten Paul is saying a very powerful statement from 2,000 years ago to you men and women, boys and girls of God. You are sons. And this has a legal implication and a spiritual implication. Let's take a look at this for a minute. See, the reason why that Paul emphasizes our status as sons isn't that he's being chauvinistic, right? What he's doing rather is speaking to the reality of a Greco-Roman inheritance laws. Any lawyers in the audience? Any, any, no, no, none willing to admit it? Okay, fine. Anyone at home? Any lawyers? Listen up. Paul is emphasizing our status as sons, not just children, because in the Greco-Roman society, in the world that Paul was living in, someone who was called the paterfamilia was the head of the family. Every wealthy household had to have a paterfamilia. So all the wealth and power was passed on to the male heir in the family. No exceptions. Had to be male, had to be in the family. In Paul's day, girls didn't get adopted because they had no value in terms of carrying on the family name or inheritance. This still happens around the world today. All the wealth and privileges are passed through the male line. Now, so yes, then, well, what if there is no male heir? Well, the sister still couldn't inherit the wealth. No daughter could inherit the wealth unless there was an adopted son who married the daughter. Now, this is wild. Now, how many of you have ever seen the show called Downton Abbey? Let's see some hands. You at home, Downton Abbey. Okay, if you watch that show, you have this rich family and three wonderful and smart daughters, none of whom can inherit their father's wealth. Why? Because they're women. And this whole story of them having arranged marriages and they want to you know, marry for true love, but you have to find the proper, even the proper male, this whole deal, right? It's, it's kind of like that. Unless there is a proper, appropriate person who can be carry on the name as a son, all the wealth is lost. Paul, back in Paul's day, a benefactor didn't just put you on the will. Listen to this. Roman law, the benefactor had to be adopted. You can't just write in someone's name. You had to legally adopt that person as your son. Can't adopt the daughter. Well, if he did, it has no ability to pass on wealth. You had to adopt and make that person a son. So Paul is saying this, friends. This is what God did with you. God not only adopted you, but declares you a rightful son. 
which means you're an heir to the promise, which means it can't be undone, which means you inherit all the riches of the Father's kingdom because you are declared legally in God's kingdom a son with all the rights and privileges that came with that reality. Do you realize that God himself has legally adopted you as his son, secure, forever, permanent, unlosable? The full inheritance is secure and no one can remove you from his will. That's why Paul is using that word. Your son's of the Father. Your inheritance is secure. There's a well-known black pastor named Pastor Brian Loritz, and he says he always makes this one Bible joke with his dad, Pastor Crawford Loritz. Whenever he sees him, he says, Dad, remember Proverbs 13.22, which says, a good man leaves an inheritance to their children's children. They always get a good chuckle out of that. And then he says, are you a good man, Dad? Are you a good man? Are you going to leave me inheritance? Are you a good man? And his dad said this most recently, he said, funny you should mention that, son. I just made some changes to the will. So Pastor Brian kind of perked up a little bit. Just made some changes, dad. Well, tell me, what changes have you made? Well, then he says, well, I sat down with my lawyer, and he says, well, you have three biological children and one adopted child, and at any moment you can amend out of your will any one of your biological children. That got his attention. But you can't, by Georgia law, amend out of your will your adopted child. It's irrevocable. The adopted child is permanent. So Paul is saying this. You are not a second-class citizen. You've been adopted into God's family, and you cannot be written out of it. And guess what? God's a pretty good lawyer. No one's going to out-argue God. He wrote the contract. He signed it. You're in. Relish in it. Let it sink in. Don't forget who you are and whose you are. Paul is saying you've been adopted and you're secured legally in the kingdom of God, but it also secures you spiritually as well. So Paul is saying to Christians 2,000 years ago and to us today that God himself hasn't begrudgingly accepted you into his family. Imagine my friend when he was signing the papers adopting the two Haitian girls, which, by the way, cost tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars, years of waiting. And imagine at the signing of the documents, he was like, yeah, ho-hum, big deal, welcome, come on in. Do you think that's what he was like? I guarantee you not. There was celebration, there were tears. Why? Oh, the love of a father for two of his kids. Maybe you've experienced that before in your life. See, God himself is not begrudgingly accepting you. He chose to inherit you. He chose you to be the rightful heir of all of his beauty and all of his wealth. And he chooses you just like you're his own son. He doesn't do it begrudgingly. What Paul does in this section, in verses 8 and 9, he ends this section pleading with the Galatians to think this amazing reality through. And Paul is saying that this, now that you've hit the lottery, Christians, and you're a 
legitimate heir, why do you want to become a slave again? Why do you want to act like a servant? Why do you want to act like someone you aren't? Why do you want to still give more priority to the way you look? Why do you want to give more priority to the things that you own? Why do you want to give priority to what people say about you? Why do you waste your time on things that don't last? Have you forgotten who you are? See, because Psalm 18, verse 19 says this, you are God's delight. You are God. Yeah, you. You're God's delight. Yeah, you. You're God's delight. You're God's delight. You're God's delight. And some of us today just need to let that be the word for us today. Before you ever walked in, God the Father was looking at you. Oh, you're my delight. God did not begrudgingly bring you into his family. There's a party. I mean, in fact, take a look at the Gospel of Luke. Jesus talks about the party that was thrown when you repent and confess your sins and you put your faith in Christ. There's a party in heaven. You are God's delight. God is not reluctantly, begrudgingly bringing you in. Don't you know who you are? You're an adopted son, beloved of God, his delight. I don't know if you've been with a new mom recently with their first baby, or some of you remember, first babies or been around a family. Oh man, new moms are nutso for their kids. Their firstborn, I remember, I remember my firstborn Avery. We, you know, we tried for years, we were going through infertility, I've told you about this, we prayed about it, and God blessed us with Avery. So I remember Avery was in Katie's belly, I would talk to the belly. I just wanted her to get to know dad. Like, hey, it's your dad. You're going to like me. I'm fun. Super humble. Pretty handsome. It's, we're going to have a good time. Just want to get you to know my voice. Uh, and then when she came, it's like, oh. I mean, she, I'll show you pictures. She won't mind me saying. I mean, she was a chubby, ba- I mean, like, big cheeks, just like dad. Just, just like dad I was a chubby baby, Okay. And man, I loved her from that first moment. I saw her. I just had so much love for her. You know what that's like, right? You've seen it yourself. And I remember even in the early stages, the early days, you get so excited about everything. Oh, look at that toe. Like, you're so amazed. Look, look at that fingernail. Did you see that eyelashes? The smallest eyelashes I've ever seen. Oh my gosh, look at that poop. That poop is amazing. We get amazed by poop. That's how God delights in us. Because guess what? You're a mess. You're a mess. I'm a mess. And God still delights in you. You say, oh no, Pastor Jim, you don't know my mess. I said, no, no, it doesn't matter. I know God still delights in you. It's right there in the Bible. He delights in you with all your messes, all your scars. So, oh, Pastor Tim, you don't know, you don't know what I've done. Oh, well, God does, and He still delights in you. Well, Pastor Tim, you don't know how much I I I, I give up at times, and I'm flaky, and God still delights in you. You can give me as many excuses as you want, but we serve eternal Father whose love never ceases for you. He's delighted in you before you ever existed, and He won't stop. His love doesn't diminish. See, God's not insecure. He doesn't look at you and want you to tell him, you have to say, oh, thank you, or, or plead with him to, to keep loving you. No, God just does. You are God's son. You are God's child. You're secure. You're his delight. Even with all your messiness, God chose, Galatians 4.4, 4, to send forth his son, 
right into your mess, my mess, our world, the mess. He sent his son out of love and he delights in you. And he did that knowing that he was going to be redeeming our scars, redeeming our mess. See, Christ took a cross to prove to each one of us that he loves us with an everlasting love. And so Jesus not only had to come, Jesus wanted to come. He wanted to come and to meet his brothers and sisters and bring them home to the Father. And let them know, you're not a slave. You're a son. You're an heir. You're a delight. See, the Father loves those whom he has adopted. So do you see yourself like that, adored by the Father who looks upon you with love today? His adopted children who can never lose the love of God. You're secure. You can't be written out of the will. In Galatians 4, 6 through 7, Paul continues, he says, And because you're sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. There are those words again, son, an heir, and now a new word, Abba, Father, Abba. See, Paul, what he's doing in this section, he wants to show how the Galatians and us that not only did Christ remove the curse we deserve, but he also gives us the blessing that Christ deserved. And the proof is that we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts and gives us the access by the Holy Spirit to cry out to God as Abba, Daddy, Father, Papa. That's what my Avery and Grayson call me. Papa. I know it's not going to last forever, but it's fun right now. Papa. I love hearing them call me their Papa, their Abba. See, Jesus doesn't just free us from the penalty of sin. He gives us his own reward. And not because we've earned it, but because he knew we couldn't attain it on our own. And he gives what he knows we cannot attain. Listen to this. The unlosable love of the Father Abba. We can never attain it. And so he gifts it to us by grace through faith in him. That's the gospel, the good news. The unlosable love of the Father who's crazy about us. In John 14, 9, Jesus even states the purpose of why he came to earth. He says, I want to reveal to you the Father's heart. John 14, 9. He came to reveal the Father. His whole point to every one of us to reveal the Father, to see the Father's love, to see the Father's heart. So why do you want to give all this good up, Paul is saying, and become a slave to rules, a slave to lifestyle, a slave to things that don't bring life? What are you a slave to? What do you serve in your life that doesn't even have lasting peace? It barely gives you peace for a week. Most of the stuff we spend time on barely gives us peace for a day. And God is offering eternal goodness of his riches to Abba. See, you've been taken into the role of family. You're an adopted son. You're an heir, not a slave. You have a father who delights in you. And so live in confidence today that in Christ, you're the very spirit of God, helping you cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa, I need you. Forgive me for getting distracted. Help me to focus on you and your unlosable love. 
help me to stop living like I'm still a slave to insecurity. I'm still a slave to discouragement. I'm a slave to my possessions defining me. A slave to hopelessness in my life. A slave to fear. A slave to comfort. Why do we serve the things that do not last? God says you've forgotten that I'm your Abba and you're secure in me. You see, for some, I know this, sitting here listening at home, talking about God as Father is difficult. I want to acknowledge that. Maybe it's because you lost a father. It's difficult to talk about God as Father. Maybe it's because you had a father in your life and you lost him by some means. Maybe you have a father, but you don't know your father. Or maybe you know your father, and that's why it's hard for you to talk about God as your father. You, you don't have a good human father figure in your life to help you connect with this picture of God as father. I just want to acknowledge that for some of us, talking about as God as father is really hard. God gets it. He understands. You're not alone. But then I do want you to know as well that God the Father wants to re-father you. He wants you to show you the way it should have been. He wants you to be loved in the way that you should have been loved. He wants you to experience the comfort and hope and security that you should have experienced. God the Father wants to re-father you. He wants to show you that your Abba is good. See, every human heart we know that we know that all of us should have had a good father, even if we didn't. We should have. That's how life was meant to be. The security of a family, the security of a father's love is how it was meant to be, but many of us never experienced it. So let God the Father refather you. Let the Abba be your dad and love you and secure you and pour upon grace upon you and delight in you. Start seeing yourself as God the Father sees you. But the power of the Spirit that's in your heart, may you see yourself the way that God the Father sees you right now. And guess what? He delights in you. I'm going to show you this video. It's called Cain's Arcade. It was just a mile from my church in Los Angeles, and this incredible story happened. Take a look at the screens right now. When you're a lonely nine-year-old boy, an empty cardboard box can be a universe of possibility. And sometimes the real world takes notice, responding with simple human kindness. ABC's David Wright takes us to the garage where dreams are made. It's a funhouse arcade made of cardboard boxes. The first game I made. Nine-year-old Kane Monroy built it in his dad's auto parts store at a junkyard in East LA. Here we go. Kane's arcade is pretty intricate. I missed. There's basketball and soccer and a homemade claw machine. I got tokens, passes, and prizes. He used his own toys for prizes. Everything manual. The one thing Kane didn't have was customers. Kids at school didn't even believe he had an arcade. Then filmmaker Nirvan Melik walked in. It's gotta go into one of those hoops. Yeah. Looking for a car door handle. Instead, he found a movie. And then when you score a point, he would crawl into the box and he pulls out these little tickets out of the side of the cardboard. Like real arcade games, tickets come from the bottom. 
And I was like, this kid's a genius. He came up with a special surprise for Kane. He put out the word on the internet, and one Saturday, while Kane was getting pizza with Dad, hundreds of total strangers showed up. A throng of customers for Kane. We had people coming from everywhere. I couldn't believe it. Cameras rolling as Kane finally arrived. Wow, what's going on over here? <laughs> he got out and he said, wow. The movie posted online late Monday. Nearly two million people have watched it, contributing more than $100,000 to a college fund for Kane. What did it make you feel like? Proud that people know more Kane. Oh, Kane's He's just psyched the movie. Looks too hard for me. Not that hard. Means he'll soon have a lot more customers. Awesome. David Wright, ABC News. I won a prize. Los Angeles. You know, Kane Monroy, he was in East LA. He spent his summer constructing that whole cardboard game arcade in his father's auto parts store. I would drive by that store every day on my way to church. It was a mile away. This big yellow auto parts store. And he had just one customer playing his games until the friend Nirvan, the filmmaker, came by. Now, there have been millions of views since this happened. Actually, over $150,000 was raised for his college scholarship. Kane is uh, pretty grown up now, and he's actually continuing his studies and his, his efforts to make things and get other kids, especially marginalized kids of, of color, get access to education. It's a beautiful story. And you could think the story is all about that. This whole viral video is a, a, about a, a kid who had one customer who now is successful at going to college. Well, I'd say it's a lot more than that. See, when you watch this video, what it's really about, I would say, is about a son who's loved deeply by his father. His dad, auto parts, so was taken over by his son, cardboard game, and he had no customers for a long time. And his dad said, keep on going. The story's really about a father and a son. In fact, uh, one person came by, heard about it on Facebook. He was actually an artist from uh, the Fox Network. He worked on the show called The Simpsons. You guys ever heard of The Simpsons? One of the animators. He came to see it for himself. He played the games. And you know what his reaction was? He put his head down on the counter. And as he was crying, he said, I've never had a dad who would give me that kind of support. See, that's what the story is about. See, every human being longs for a human father to love them. See, Cain's story is really about a father's love for his child. And what comes across so clearly is the story of love of the father, George, for his son, Cain. And something rises in our heart because we know every person deserves a loving father. They really do. Every human being should have a loving, dedicated, kind, patient, persistent father. But most of us know many people who've never had anything like that. And yet our heart longs for it. You know why our heart longs for it? Because God the Father wired you to know that he delights in you. That God the Father wired you for a relationship with him. That's what you long for, is a relationship with God the Father. That's why we're moved when we see something like that. Because that's how it's supposed to be. 
I'm supposed to be loved. I'm supposed to be secure. I'm supposed to have someone cheering me on. I guess what you do in Christ, adopted sons, heirs according to the promise, the ones who are delighted in and secure in the Father's love, the Father who wants to re-father you and show you his perfect love. No matter what you've done, no matter how you failed him, you have a Father who still delights in you. Let's not leave this place without being ever more convinced of the reality of who you are and the reality of whose you are. You belong to a good father. You can call him Abba, Daddy, and you can rest in his love today. And as you're secure in that love, he is going to send you out to invite other lost sons and daughters into the family. Let's pray. God, give us a clear picture of your love. Give us a clear picture of the hope that we can have in you. And Lord, show us how we have strayed and we put our faith in other things, things that don't last. And so Lord, help us to capture a glimpse of how you delight in us, how as we put our faith in you, Christ, that we can rest secure, that we are an heir of the King and we can never be written out of the will. And Lord, in the security of your love, may we go out and share the hope that we have in you, inviting other people who are lost, other people who are struggling, other people who have scars, and say, I want you to come and meet the one who can refather you in perfect love. Lord, help us to see it. Help us to share it. And it's in your name that we pray, Father. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelprez.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.